0: I'm Arthur
1: and I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk
0: podcast, managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor Naturepedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturepedic.com. That's naturepedic.com. Greetings to listeners of Parent Talk. We are back this week to open up one of the big topics that parents face when they raise children, and that is what's usually called toilet training, but as you'll find out today, we're going to be talking really about toilet mastery.
1: That's right, Arthur. And you know that this is actually one of my favorite topics. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why, but my children used to make fun of me and say, you know, mom, on your headstone, they're going to put, Oh, by the way, help potty train about 10,000 children. You know, I, I have, this is true. I actually will bump into people in the grocery store and their mother will embarrass their 14 year old to death <laughs> by saying, she's the one who helped you use the potty. <laughs> And you're laughing, but that's actually happened many times. And, you know,
0: I I love those stories, Susan, because they really bring to life the fact that in these, our wonderful United States, we've made what could be a pretty simple situation, a really difficult process. So Parent Talk is here to help. And I want our listeners to know we've got one of the nation's top experts in this leading the way today, Susan. So
1: we're
0: excited to, to be doing this together.
1: As I said, one of my favorite topics, but it's a huge, huge topic. So because of that, Arthur, we're going to do this in three different sessions and probably more in the future, but at least three basic sessions. Today, we're going to talk about what potty training, and I might call it potty training, but you know, we are really talking about mastering the toilet. What it means is a developmental step for your child's growth, and not just because it's an obvious social requirement and you're tired of paying for diapers, but it's really a huge Important developmental task. In the second session, we're going to go into much more detail on the step-by-step method. And I thought the best way to get to that are to use real questions from real parents going through this to say, like, what's working, what's not, what are they struggling with? And the third one, we're going to focus on larger challenges. So this could be an older child, a four or five or six-year-old, a child who's terrified of using the, to- the toilet, the child who becomes quite constipated, perhaps a child with an underlying illness or a developmental delay that interferes with mastering the toilet.
0: You're right. This is a developmental step. No baby born can walk to the toilet and pee and poop in it. And <laughs> no. uh, and so so they develop the ability... But it's an interesting developmental step because, you know, other developmental steps like sitting and walking, it's not a choice of a child. Their body makes them sit without really any controversy or difficulty. This is one of the first major developmental steps. That is an open negotiation between the parent and child. I suppose sleep is another we've talked about that is a negotiation. But there's something about toilet training that really brings out the culture in development.
1: Without question. And, you know, you mentioned like sleep is a negotiation. But as you pointed out to me many times, Arthur, biology will eventually take over and that a child will become so exhausted that they will sleep. I mean, it may not be in the perfect situation for the parents, but a child will sleep and a hungry child will eat. But I can tell you for someone who has been doing this for over 40 years, there are p- children who get well into four or five, even into the grade school years and six and above, who struggle with using the toilet. So that's where the the choices come in. And that I think is what's paralyzing to parents. Parents will come and say, "Well, this is what my mother told me. This is what my the neighbor told me, or this is what my doctor told me." <laughs> They'll say things like, um, "Don't put any pressure on your child. Just let them go." Nobody ever walked down the aisle in diapers. Um, your child will use the toilet eventually.
0: Yeah, I mean that that saying has been said by a lot of pediatricians, and they're right. Very few people walk down the aisle, go to college in diapers, but that. Completely abandons the role of a parent in helping their child make this leap.
1: You really want to be their partner in this process. On the other hand, there are parents or pediatricians or, you know, books that say start very early, like right when they begin to walk or move by themselves, because you should do it before they get into the quote unquote terrible twos so that they won't say no so often.
0: This one's an interesting issue because it gets into that cultural thing I was talking about. In the United States, Babies were fully toilet trained by nine months of age, almost universally, let's say 50 to 100 years ago. And so we know the body can do it. It's just culturally, we don't really know how to do that right now. There are movements afoot to try to bring early toilet training. And this is toilet training. If you're training an infant under 12 months of age. It is training. That's training. A baby doesn't know what you're talking about. You have to train them to do this. So it can be done, but it's not what's usually done. And as we're going to find out as we go through this, what your community does deeply influences what you can do, actually.
1: Because you don't want to seem so out of step with the rest of your cohort. I have also heard people sort of take a middle ground. They'll say, yes, you have to do something, but don't do it till there's three and a half or four. It'll go much faster. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to say to you that that is absolutely not necessarily the truth. Yes there's a, occasionally a child who's just been saying oh finally i get my underwear <laughs> and they, they go to the bathroom. But many, many children, when they're habituated into use and having their parents care for their bodies and they're not in charge of it, that actually elongates the process. Then, of course, there's things like, don't, you know, just, you know, use pull-ups. Don't use pull-ups. What are parents? They don't know, is, it, is a pull-up a good thing? The way they have those potty parties on television, you think that putting a pull-up in is some sort <laughs> of magical underwear, you know, that helps a child use the toilet. Or just take one weekend where you don't leave the house, strip the child from the bottom down, keep them in the kitchen or places where there are no rugs, feed them salty snacks and lots of water and juice. And every time they pee, you know, you sort of catch them and you train them over a weekend. To me, that sounds a little bit like training a puppy.
0: Now, a lot of these things work because most kids will end up using the toilet. So it looks like anything you do is going to work because they usually end up using the toilet. But we're not really not in favor of that. I mean, having a bowl of candy around and giving a reward, that's one way to go, but we don't think it's the best way to go.
1: It really is something that the parent is doing to the child as opposed to being a partner with that child and helping them develop that mastery on their own and those feelings of self-esteem and competence. Also, I have an idea about food that comes in and goes out. I think that elimination and feeding should be separated.
0: Yeah, I'm not in favor of using food for other purposes than nutrition. In all these situations, uh, toilet mastery, sleep, whatever, the solution lies in the hands of the child who's creating the conflict and the difficulty it does. starting early before the child can engage in it waiting until they're so old they're going to have to anyway all these things we're talking about using pull-ups to avoid the child getting involved in the process all these things take away the child's role in solving a problem and the bowl of m&ms is right in line with that taking away the child's agency it's instead of them figuring out something, they're just responding to a reward, which is why we don't think it's the best way to go.
1: Right, exactly. Although as you say, for some children, it works. But I will tell you also, I know just as many children that when they feel like having an M&M will pee in the potty. And when they don't care about the M&M <laughs> because their tummies are full, you know, will just go in their pants. Because it isn't really about mastering the process. It's about performing a trick, so to speak, to get a reward. That's right. But I do understand why this is so paralyzing to parents because they hear other people's horror stories. I started when my kid was two and a half and at four, he's still having accidents. It's, a nightmare. But then they also hear the other things they're afraid to start because someone will say, oh, my kid was 27 months old. In three or four days, that was it. Never had an accident. The thing is, is that our process, which is a process, not a quick fix. It is definitely a process. Mm -hmm. Parents will always say to me, how long is it going to take? And I'll say it so depends on the unique nature of your child, your relationship, the environment, what's going on in your child's life. It has happened that a weekend is all the child needs. I would say that the average is by two weeks, you really start seeing a lot of success. Mm -hmm. And by the end of a month, you're pretty much done. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty intense month. But it actually can be done because, again, I, we cannot say this enough. This is a process, not a quick fix. It's about mastery. It's about laying a foundation for future endeavors. It really adds to a child's self-esteem, sense of competence, and confidence that they have been able to figure out how to care for their own bodies. That is huge.
0: It's so big, Susan. I, I remember many stories you've shared with me. About you helping parents, and I've seen it myself when I do the same, helping parents give the child the power to solve their own challenge. And then other things happen unrelated to the toilet, like sleeping tonight or riding a bike. They have that confidence to go out and achieve all sorts of things.
1: There is no question about that. I have told you this many times that a parent will come in and say, you know, he didn't ever want to get on his tricycle and now suddenly he's doing it. Or today for school, he got his own backpack and was trying to put on his own shoes on himself. You know, children will start to dress themselves because they really have the sense that they are the boss of their body. That's one of my little catchphrases, that we help children be the boss of their bodies and that they get to make that decision about where they're going to put their pee and poo The parent sets up an entire environment and gives them the support. But honestly, when it comes to the final event, only the child can actually purposefully pee and poop in the appropriate place.
0: Yeah, it turns out they're the ones peeing and pooping. As much as we like to do it for them, we can't.
1: I know, it's so true.
0: One of my favorite pictures in this wonderful book called Children and Their Fathers is a little kid on a little kid's toilet on the floor. So, way down on the ground. And he's looking up, grinning at this tall father who's bending over the child, fist clenched, begging his son to pee in the toilet. <laughs> and the kid's just looking up, grinning at him. And you just see it all there in that picture that we often get pulled into that tug of war, which I love that, that image. You can see the tug of war in that picture. The kid's pulling for not peeing in the toilet. The dad's pulling for peeing in the toilet. And the kid's having a blast playing this game. The father doesn't have to play that game. If he wants to play that game, children love that game. They love playing tug of war. But as you've always said, and I love this image, if you don't pick up the rope, if you don't play the game, the game can't be played
1: the child will understand that this is an important process without the parents showing so much emotion about it. And that is a perfect image because that's exactly what parents do. They, they get so excited. They have, they throw the potty parties. You know, when parents say, should I, should I do this? Should I put the, should I do it like they do on TV, you know, throw confetti, have a big you know present. And I said, I just want to tell you, your kid did not just win the Nobel Prize. They peed in the <laughs> toilet. Let's put it in perspective. It's pretty important at the age of two to three, but it is something that everybody can accomplish. It's not the Nobel Prize. Yeah, and I,
0: and I think the other thing that drives parents into the tug of war, into playing that game, is this sense, which we really appreciate, of wanting to nurture their child. In other words, if the child has a need, they're there to meet that need. And that's a beautiful thing that wasn't always part of parenting, really rose to prominence in the last 20 or 30 years. So we are 100% in support of that stance that a parent's there to be caring with their love. But that makes parents, I think, worried that when the child is upset, that's a trauma and that they can't tolerate their child struggling with a challenge. And this toilet mastery is an excellent example of that. The child refuses to pee in the potty and they feel as though if they don't solve this soon, their child's going to experience a trauma and it's their job as a parent to avoid trauma. And we agree, but we're here to say that there's a vast disappointment. You'll hear us say it over and over again between trauma and disappointment. And in this case, if the child doesn't want to pee and you don't really help them with that, we'll talk about how you get out of the, out of this arena leave it up to the child, and you see them struggle with, okay, what do I do if I don't want to pee, but my parents aren't helping me? How do I solve this? That's in the realm of disappointment. That is is not a trauma. It will leave no lasting harm. In fact, it opens the door to all the benefits we talked about at the beginning of this podcast.
1: Exactly. In fact, so parents can actually, instead of avoiding the struggle or the conflict, they should embrace it and say, this is a perfect opportunity to help teach my child about how to master a a challenge. They don't want to go to the potty. There is a loss with using the toilet, the loss of the diapers, the loss of that closeness with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. You'd mentioned walking before. There's no loss with walking. If the child wants to get back down and crawl, he or she can. Well, right now, there is a loss involved. They're losing that intimacy with mom and dad. They're having to take on this responsibility. That feels huge. I mean, it feels huge when we take on new responsibilities as adults. Imagine if you're two and a half. I mean, that's a pretty big challenge.
0: We really want to give the child the opportunity to solve that problem.
1: So let's talk about the process a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to start. I suggest to parents that they buy a little potty that sits on the ground because children feel much more secure when their feet are firmly on the ground. And make sure that the little cup that helps little boys, you know, keep the pee in that that is very either small or removable because you don't want a child who is quickly sitting on the potty to hurt themselves. And I always say you can put the potty down when the child is 15-18 months old. Just keep it in the bathroom just as something for them to to get used to. Kids like to decorate it with stickers or they, they sit on it with their clothes or right before bath time. And parents can simply say, you know, pretty soon, this is where you put your pee and potty. You can even take a poopy diaper and put some in the potty and say, see, this is where it goes. No pressure, just information.
0: Absolutely.
1: When you think the time is right, and there's never the perfect time. I mean, try to pick a time where you've got at least three or four days where you're not rushing to doctor's appointments or you don't have to get to work at 7.30 a.m. About a day or so before, take your child to the store and buy loads of underpants. And I suggest getting two kinds. There are these thick kinds with multiple layers of cotton, so it's not so messy for the parent, but it really doesn't feel like a pull-up or a diaper. People say, why can't I just use pull-ups? Pull-ups are great in many situations, but when you're in the beginning of this process, pull-ups are nothing but diapers without tabs. They're going to feel when the child pees or poops in it, they're not going to feel any different than they do when they're doing that In a diaper. That's right. Often the thick underwear is actually with like the tiny baby stuff, like with the receiving blankets. It's not with the diapers. You're not going to find it with the diapers and the pull ups, just a little FYI there. But when you go to the store, let them pick out anything they want on their underwear. That is the kind of reward that makes sense. If you can keep your thick underwear clean and dry, then you get to wear those fancy pants or the things with the characters on them.
0: Give them a chance to own this process.
1: Exactly. And then on day one, you tell your child tomorrow you get to wear those big boy, big girl pants that we got at the store the other day. And by this time, your changing table should have been either moved out of the room or used to store instead of diapers, the new underwear, you know, both the fancy pants and the thicker underwear that you're going to start with. The next morning when you see your child, you'll say, this is the day. Some children are thrilled. They literally rip off their diaper and want to put their underpants on. That doesn't mean that 10 seconds later, they're not peeing in them, but they they want to put them on. That's an easier way to go. But there are children, they get this. They're old enough or wise enough to say, I don't like what Coming here and they refuse to put their underwear on. And this is where so many parents fold before they even take the first step because it feels overwhelming. This is the struggle you were talking about, Arthur. Mm -hmm. This is when the child is upset and doesn't want to do it. And this is where the parent realizes I'm not traumatizing this child. I'm not beating him or forcing him to sit on the toilet. All I'm asking him to do is put on some comfy little underwear. And I tell parents sit in their room with the door closed, and just say, I know that you don't want to put your underwear on, but mommy and daddy know that you are ready to wear big kid underwear and use the potty. I know that you don't feel like you can right now, but we know you can do it. That's a very empowering statement for a child.
0: You know, Susan, the uh, your point about kids putting up a fuss being part of a natural process really comes home when I think about over the years. I think with maybe only one exception out of thousands of times I've done this uh, around age two or whenever uh, parents begin this process, I'll ask the child during their checkup, when you make a pooper or pee, who should clean up, you or mom and dad? And guess what the child always says with, like, I say one exception perhaps out of many thousands of such questions. They say mom and dad. So 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 it's not as though they're traumatized at all. They've weighed the situation. They like the deal they've got. They like, you know, someone's cleaning up all their stuff for them. They don't want to give it up. They know if they peep and poop in the toilet, they're giving up a whole regime of care and taking it over themselves. And they've made a decision. They don't want to do it. So that's what parents are up against.
1: And. Can you imagine how that must feel in that room at that moment? Like, oh, I, I just can't do it and put them back in the diaper. But if you can be calm, I always say bring, bring a book, just sit there calmly and say, I will wait until you're ready. And I will tell you that it might take 10 or 15 minutes, which will seem like about three hours. But before long, the child's going to want to leave their room and go downstairs and you're with them, you know, you, so this is not a punishment. You're not locking them in their room. You're talking to them and saying, you're upset. We know you can do this, the child will put the underpants on and you can start your day. You have to know that this is the expectation. There will be puddles. There will be poopy pants. There will be a mess. And if parents can just wrap their brain around it, that it's not going to be a mess forever. It's going to be a mess sort of intensely for a couple of weeks, and then it's going to dissipate. And you're going to have a child who who has who's clean and dry and feels great about themselves. That's the biggest hurdle for parents. In fact, the parents who go back in and out of diapers again and again, you know, like Mm -hmm. they put them in pants, they have an accident, they put them back in diapers because they can't stand the mess. What I will say to them is most of us don't remember getting potty trained, but I bet most of us can remember learning to ride a two-wheel bike. I know I do. I have older brothers and they were holding me and leaving me go, and I remember that exhilarating feeling I had when I actually was doing it on my own. And now what would have happened if every time I stumbled and fell off the bike, my brothers would say, OK, you're too young. We're, we're, we're not going to play with you. We're not going to do this with you. I would have just felt deflated. So I always say to parents, when you put the child back in the diaper, you're basically saying you're not ready to do this. The message is a pretty negative one.
0: Whereas a positive message goes back to what we were saying before, turning over the challenge to the child. And the reason why it takes two weeks, the same reason it takes two to four nights to help a child sleep through the night, that time period for each of these conflicts is a measure of how long it takes a child to change their expectations. Because biology is overwhelming and we all fall asleep at night, it's only two or four nights to make that change in the child's expectations happen uh, around sleep. Around toilet training... Kids begin to use the toilet, they begin to clean themselves up when they believe, really believe, that mom and dad aren't going to do that for them anymore. Right. And and, and they can't possibly believe that mom and dad are going to do it for them anymore if mom and dad keep doing it for them.
1: Well, we're getting to the end of this podcast, and next week in our second podcast on potty training, we're going to give you step-by-step suggestions on how to help the parents get over that first hurdle of their child's resistance, and how to help your child become the boss of their own body.
0: Well, I'm excited about the next session. We've really laid the groundwork so nicely today. Thank you, Susan, for that. And really excited for parents to get very detailed how-tos they have full confidence that they can do this next time. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk Podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.